Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Welcome back to Verity Podcast, you guys. We are in the middle of our Honest Marriage series, and myself and my husband, Josh, are both here sharing a real-life look into our relationship, our story, and applying scripture to it. And hopefully by sharing our story and what we've learned in our eight years almost of being married, some of you are encouraged and perhaps are able to implement some of the things that have worked for us in your own relationship. Today's episode is about fighting, not just any fighting, but good fighting. Yes, we want to be able to fight well and to communicate through the disagreements that we have. And so the passage that we're going to be reading from today is Colossians 12 through 14, which says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So this passage gives us a glimpse of what Christians are called to exude as Christian behavior. But what we know most of all is that this behavior is rooted in an identity in Christ. So the very first verse says, you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And that identity undergirds all of these spirit-led behaviors. And of course, if they're called of all Christians, that means they're called of us in marriage too. So we wanted to talk in this episode, like Josh said, about fighting well. And we kind of have a history of fighting, don't we? Yeah, we do. I think, you know, starting out, you were always so fiery and, (laughs) you know, I kind of grew confidence over time and sometimes I let things uh, being a passive person boil up and the pot would boil over (laughs) which was never a good situation for anybody but how would you describe fighting for us in the earlier years I said sorry a lot (laughs) you did say sorry a lot were you truly sorry no, but it usually ended the fight. But that's a good example, though, that you yeah. were like not actually dealing with the conflict. You were just trying to escape it by taking yeah. responsibility. And unfortunately, for it. it would usually become another arrow in the quiver. What do you mean by that? Like ammunition for later, because it was never resolved. It would, you know, rear its head later on. Right, and so I always felt like, oh, that fight was resolved. But moving on, <laughs> moving on, but you would hold a grudge and bring it back later, which, you know, felt to me like a betrayal. And like, I thought we already dealt with this. Why is this being brought up again? You said that it was over. Yeah. And so it would create this cycle where you couldn't trust the other person. 
you know, whether you felt like I didn't take responsibility for things, I felt like you held grudges and didn't forgive. It really created layer upon layer of, Mm -hmm. of a history of distrust kind of. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think the biggest thing was like a lack of honesty with one another and even with ourselves, like just in communication and like being honest about how we feel. And also, I guess some humility on one part or the other. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they hear you say that are probably going to be like, Oh, if I was honest, I would be super hurtful and I don't want to hurt them. And I don't want to have like that conflict. So I just don't deal with it. I think when you let the pot simmer and then you boil over, that's when you do more damage Mm -hmm. because then you are angry and you're saying it hurtfully because you've just like stewed on it. And Mm -hmm. whereas like if it was dealt with initially, it would have been like at least more constructive. Yeah, that's true. I know that when we were in the middle of this pattern, I don't think what we realized was that in dealing with this and in fighting well, communicating through it, it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be okay with feeling really uncomfortable and making them upset by being honest in order to actually communicate your needs and hear theirs because I do see a bit of a trend on social media now where, you know, I think there's a good side of it. Like we're becoming aware of patterns of communication that are really unhealthy, but we're also becoming super selfish in our communication Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, if you don't say it to me exactly this way, then I don't have to listen to you. Or if you don't communicate honestly in a way that appeals to my love language personality i don't have to listen to you and that's just not how it works in the body of christ yeah it's like you're like if you're not seen the way that you feel you need to be seen then you can stop trying yeah i think early on for us when we were working on this we would just like just kind of duke it out Mm -hmm. and you know we get to the point where we're just like well you know, I went like this way and like, well, I went like that way too. Well, fine, fine. And it's like, wait, <laughs> we're, we're in agreement on this. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I do remember that where we were, we would like fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And I would say the first couple years, you didn't always, you didn't like the conflict. So you would say, I'm sorry. And then just like leave or end the conversation. You mm-hmm. wouldn't leave, leave, but you'd be like, can we talk about this later or or something? And it wasn't actually resolved. And then as you grew in your faith and as a person, you would push back more and be more honest in our fights. I think, and that's when you started to actually duke it out more with me. Mm -hmm. I am not afraid of conflict, so it's not difficult for me to fight, but you didn't like it. And so as you grew in strength, I think you you were able to actually stand up to the conflict more, but it was still yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And we didn't always come to a resolution, but we knew that one another's sides were heard. Mm-hmm. And 
we could agree to disagree. Right. And be like, well, what can I do? Like, what yeah. do you want? What are you? Well, it's not just for? like lingering there. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe we can revisit this later. But like, you know, I know where you stand and you know where I stand. So, yeah, like that's at least not going to like fester. Yeah. And then we did try towards. So this is the early years. It was pretty unhealthy. I would say years two, three, four were really rough. But then as we got towards the, I would say the middle years, closer to where we are, moving towards where we are now, we started to kind of have that. Do you remember that unspoken rule where we would have to hug after our fights? Oh, yeah. yeah. That lasted for a little bit at least. I think it lasted, I remember it being for a pretty long time. Like we would fight and then try to hug each other at the end of the fight just mm-hmm. as a way of like reconnecting with each other. And I understand that wouldn't necessarily work for every person, but like, I'm not a physical touch person, but it did help me feel like, okay, we are actually reconciled. Even if we're still working through the emotions. I think too, like when I hugged you, when you were upset, like it cut through the anger and brought out the true emotion underneath. That's very true. Which was often you know, fear or grief. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I think anger for me, which we're going to talk about in a second, our counselor helped us identify the underlying emotion behind mm-hmm. the initial emotion. And that's not something that we knew how to do until we started seeing a marriage counselor, which we're going to talk about in the second half of this episode. And that really helped me see like, Felicia, when you come off super angry at Josh, you're actually pushing him away and he's not hearing you as as easily. You're making it hard for him to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful to me, even though anger is the mo- emotion that I'm most comfortable with. It doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God and it doesn't accomplish a unified marriage. <laughs> it also doesn't help you to be heard. Right, right. But you, when you would use affection to cut through the anger, it actually did usually make our fights more productive, which was a huge step for you because, I mean, who wants to move towards a cornered badger? Yeah. Josh called me that once. (laughs) 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 Yes, it is a little bit true. So, okay. On the, since we're still talking about fighting, I want to talk about leaving a fight One of the things both of us were familiar with was experience with family or extended family leaving or abandoning a person mid-conflict, like leaving completely, walking out the door, driving away, or just refusing to engage with the conflict. And I think we're both pretty triggered by that experience. And so it's something that we knew when we got married, even though we were not super healthy in many ways, we knew we did not want to be a spouse who walked away from a fight. Yeah, I think I do remember like when we were in college, there was one time we were working out together and I was just like, if I didn't just like take a break and cool off, I would have said something that would have left some scars. So there was that moment, but 
like after that happened, like we talked about it and we we're kind of like, okay, like we're not going to do that. Like we can be open and honest with each other and, you know, come to a resolution. And and if you, I remember one, a couple years later when we were early in early marriage yeah. fighting, you just said that to me. You said, I have to walk away because I'm going to say something I regret. But you told me you mm-hmm. were walking away. And that was the difference was you didn't just up and walk away yeah. and ignore me. And there was another time in the first year or two when I'm the one who literally walked out the door and drove away. And when I got back, you said, like, this is exactly what we promised we wouldn't do. Like, you can't just leave a fight like this. Like, you you can't just walk away without telling me where you're going. And I never did it again. And so since that first year, I think almost every fight I can remember, we've seen it through to the end. And no one is abandoning the other. Mm -hmm. And I think that even if you are, again, we're not marriage counselors, this is just postulation, but if you can at least just say, Hey, I am too emotional to have this conversation right now. I want to talk about this with you. I'm going to leave the room, but Mm -hmm. it's not because I'm abandoning you. Like even just saying that, yeah, I think it's just walking away is kind of saying like the person isn't worth your time. (laughs) I'm done with you. Like you're choosing on your terms. I've had enough. We're done. You are just choosing for the both of you that the conversation isn't going to be finished. It's a like a power move is what it is. Like a control taking control of the conversation. But it's also like huge disrespect because Mm -hmm. you're saying like the other person doesn't have a right. Yeah, I don't have to listen to you anymore. It is. It's disrespectful and it's contemptuous, which I read in a marriage book. I don't remember who said it, but they said that contempt is the death now of a relationship. When there's contempt for the other person, just like this absolute distaste for them, that's the first sign that something is seriously wrong. And I think the more that a couple is okay with that, just walking away and abandoning the other person mid-fight, the more opportunity there is for that contempt to grow because the person who's left behind is left feeling like I don't matter. And the person who left might be, you know, frustrated for valid reasons, but they're showing disrespect to the other person by just leaving them standing there. It also creates a pattern of just like disconnecting when you don't want to deal with something. And so like you're constantly just putting a wall up. Yeah. That's true, which is why to circle back to what I was saying about the social media thing, I think we have to just be so careful when we're consuming secular content about communication that we remember that all of it has to be filtered through the selflessness of scripture, that yes, it's really important that you be heard and you should be valued. And if your husband or wife is not doing that, You probably need to get a counselor or mediator to get to the root of it. But you also have to remember that you married a sinner and you should set your expectations accordingly. And I'm not talking about abusers. I'm talking about your average run-of-the-mill marriage where you're married to a sinner. 
I mean, I feel like if your expectation is they need to constantly like pay perfect attention to me, the way I see these like things that circulate on Instagram, these quotes and stuff, if so-and-so doesn't do X, Y, and Z, they're not worth your time. Well, you know, I don't do that to other people. Like I fail at making people feel listened to and valued. And, you know, I, I need to do better at that. So I think there's a measure of humility, like this passage in Colossians says, where it says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And that's Mm. kind of the basis of fighting well. Yeah. It's assuming that you're going to do things that need to be born with. (laughs) If you're listening to this marriage series, there's a good chance that you or someone you love is married. And that's fantastic because on December 7th, my brand new co-authored marriage book is launching into the world. It's called The Flirtation Experiment. And if that title intrigues you, good, because I can't wait for wives to pick this book up and be encouraged and equipped to pursue their husbands in ways they maybe never expected to do so. When I wrote this book, I was looking back on a year when I was really struggling to cultivate a relationship with Josh. I felt lonely, I felt disconnected, and I realized that I could wait for him to change it or I could make the change. And so I made a list of 30 flirtations, all different kinds of ways to show him that I loved him. And through this experiment, I found that I actually was changed. I co-authored this book with my friend Lisa Jacobson, who's been married 28 years to my eight years, and we alternate chapters showing you the ideas that we used to cultivate an intimate and fun, romantic, and flirtatious marriage. You can pre-order the book now anywhere books are sold, from Amazon to Barnes & Noble to Christian Book, or you can go to theflirtationexperiment.com to get two free chapters in the introduction and to be notified when the book launches. I hope you guys will grab it. We have some awesome bonuses for those who pre-order, and I'm excited to get this book into your hands. As we began to like work on, you know, communicating better and all, I did actually see like there was kind of a pivotal time where you were a little more raw with your emotions and like not just anger, but just, you know, showing some of the, the underlying emotions. And like you did like begin to like start saying you were sorry. And you were like the first person to say sorry. And why is that significant? Because I was always the first or only person to say it previously (laughs) (laughs) for several years. (laughs) Yes. You often initiated the apology and I would say, I'm sorry, but I would say I was sorry after he first said he was sorry. Yeah. Or there was a big, but a big, yes, (laughs) big explanation for why (laughs) I was sorry. (laughs) But I definitely saw a lot of growth through that for you. And I think like it kind of coincided with your gratitude growth that you did and just thinking more positively. And, you know, it helped with your humility and when you were wrong to own it. (laughs) (laughs) I think part of that was as I was growing in my faith. And if you haven't listened to 
I think in our first episode of this series, we talk a little bit about like spiritual growth and where you're at spiritually when you get married. But I knew more intellectually, but spiritually, I think I, I, I had a lot of immaturity because I was still holding on to so much anger and so much just bitterness and how I operated in the world and criticism of myself and others. And so that came through in that, that first emotion of being angry. And so as the Lord worked on that, I was able to be more honest and more safe with other emotions with you Mm -hmm. and feel safe to show them instead of just initially reverting to like anger or criticism. Yeah. So because you previously felt like having emotions was weakness. Yes. Yeah. It felt like, well, if I show, if I cry or if I, you know, let down my guard, then I'll be taken advantage of or I'll be made fun of. So I have to be strong like all the time. Mm -hmm. But what that looked like was actually not strong, but hard, like not able to be vulnerable. So yeah, you were a part of that. Like you made me feel safe to be vulnerable with you Hmm. because when I was, you were very quick to take me in, to hug me, to tell me that you loved me. Like I knew I was okay to be vulnerable with you. And that was a big part of of why that changed. Yeah. Although part of me started to feel like, oh, this isn't fair. Like she's crying. How can I, I just feel like the bad guy again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like if you, that's true. Cause you would hug me like after a fight, I started to cry and then maybe the fight wouldn't like your side of the fight wouldn't be completely resolved because you didn't want to bring it up because I was crying. But I think this brings us to a good point in this conversation, which is around year five, Mm -hmm. we started to see a marriage counselor and we saw her specifically for this reason. Uh, We just wanted like a maintenance plan. (laughs) (laughs) Some preventative maintenance. <laughs> We're here to get our tires changed. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we basically told her we're not in crisis. We're not getting a divorce, but we cannot seem to get out of this cycle. Mm. Of just like whenever we kind of, we would bond over stressful times. And so when times were easy, we would get bored and start to fight. Yeah, <laughs> which is so so strange to me that that's us, but like, it well, really fighting is. is something else we have in common. Yeah, yeah, we would get <laughs> super irritated about dumb things, like we fought over how to fry an egg and how to make sure we, you know, like you'd make an egg for somebody, you'd think they'd be grateful, but instead, I was like, no, I I, I wanted it fried, or he'd be like, I wanted it fried, but we had two different definitions of a fried egg, and so we could never make yeah. each other. The eggs the way the other wanted. It's like the steak was too chewy. The lunch meat was too deli. (laughs) (laughs) Too too deli. I don't. Yeah, it was such dumb things that we would argue about because we didn't have like that unifying project to both throw our weight behind. Mm -hmm. So I started looking around for a counselor because we kept going in this cycle and we looked for a licensed counselor who was also a believer. Mm-hmm. And that was important to us because we knew that we wanted her to have this professional 
education and experience, but we also wanted someone who would understand just how important our faith is to us Mm -hmm. and could understand the biblical basis for our marriage. The Bible does have some solutions in it. Yeah. Yeah. And God invented science. So together. It's true. It it works really well. So we're an example of a couple that sought out counseling, not because everything was, you know, going down the tubes, but because we wanted to improve our communication. And I think more couples should just be open to, to doing that, just to learn how to communicate better. Yeah. I think she was very insightful into like, She's very good with body language. So whenever like one of us would say something, she'd notice like the other person twitch or something. <laughs> like, and she's so good. She's like, so why did you cross your hands when he said that? Or she always like, she always saw it. Like, like I didn't why does even this know. Make you feel defensive. <laughs> like, how did you know I felt defensive? <laughs> well, <laughs> your face. <laughs> so what was really helpful is she's helping us work through just like supporting one another in like our fears mm-hmm. and, you know, potential baggage that's kind of putting us at a predisposition for reacting specific ways in a fight mm-hmm. and just kind of going, you know, to the root of the issue of why we keep reverting to the state. Yeah. She had us kind of work through this cycle of communication that we had where Josh would say something like was bothering him and I would get defensive and angry. So then he would get defensive. And then at that point, it's just, you know, this spiral. And what she had us use when we were first, we did a a eight week intensive session with her. And then we did like once a month now it's more like once every three months, yeah. once a month, we would see her mm-hmm. and just work through anything we were recently struggling with. Yeah. And so during that intensive period, she had us, do you remember the emotions chart? Yeah. I'm like, my emotion isn't on here. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember he like was holding the emotion chart and he's like, my emotion is not on this chart. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Like I... Uh, you know, people of my personality type are reputedly disconnected from their emotions because emotions get in the way. And you're like, this is a lot of emotions I'm looking at. This is so many emotions because emotions are something I feel very, very deeply. So I will turn them off temporarily to, to get done what needs to get done to, you know, I have to turn my emotions off oftentimes to do my work because people say really hurtful things. And so in order to work, I have to turn off my emotions to operate, but then you have to turn them back on to love your spouse, Mm -hmm. to love your children, to love your neighbor. And so when she hands me an emotions chart, I'm like, I don't know. I guess this one, what does this one mean? You know? (laughs) So, but it was helpful because she was, she was like, okay, I want you to look at the emotion that you feel. But then I want you to think about what's the underlying emotion. Yeah. And I mean. Like what we were saying earlier, like you would get angry, but really you're like scared mm -hmm. of, you know, something like going terribly wrong or not being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so it exhibits itself in anger. Yeah. And for you, that like defensiveness 
And like he would often, instead of focusing on the issue at hand, he'd get into all of these really minor details that were unrelated to the issue to like explain. And I would say, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this issue over here. But you were trying to basically defend yourself from being falsely accused and were very sensitive to being falsely accused. And so she helped us work through like, where did those fears come from in your childhood? And how can you be sensitive to those things Mm -hmm. going forward so that when you do fight, you fight away from the the hot words. Yeah. Or triggers. Yeah. Like, or try to, you know, express that you hear them. Yeah. Be supportive. Right. So what would, what would you, how would you give counseling five stars? (laughs) Yeah. Our experience has been great. Yeah. I would just encourage couples who maybe think like, well, we're not in crisis, so we don't need counseling or people only go to counseling if they're about to get divorced. I would just really encourage you to reframe that because biblically seeking counsel and wisdom is something that is encouraged. Mm -hmm. It's encouraged to ask for input from somebody who has knowledge in that area. It's not something you, I mean, if you were, you're like, I'm not going to get a financial advisor until I'm about to go into bankruptcy. Yeah. Everyone would say, that's insane. You should be doing that, you know, yeah. like way I was earlier. just going to say, it shouldn't be viewed as a last resort. Right. And you shouldn't feel like once you're in counseling, like you're at the end, you know? Right. And if people are weird, I mean, when we first started going to counseling, we did have a few people comment like, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just said, nothing's wrong. We just want to learn to communicate better. And and it has. It's helped so, so, so much to communicate better and learn um, how to better love one another, which is the whole point of this Colossians passage. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys that this was an encouraging episode or at least gave you some things to think about in your own relationships. We kind of hope that husbands and wives will listen to these episodes together and discuss them together because having both Josh and myself here, I hope makes more men comfortable with Verity podcast, which is a woman dominated listenership if we're being real. So we're grateful for you listening. We hope that Maybe this resonated with some of you and you feel a little bit less alone in your own patterns of fighting in your marriage and that you get the help you need no matter what it takes. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes. 